0: My name is Jason Osborne. You are listening to American Sunshine.
1: Hi, I'm Jay Lucas, and welcome to American Sunshine. Uh, the podcast, where we talk about uh, in inspirational stories, the power of the human spirit, and really that great revitalization happening in our small towns and communities across New Hampshire, but really also across the United States. And I'm delighted today to be joined by a great friend and guest, uh, Jason Osborne. Uh, Jason is the majority leader in the New Hampshire House of Representatives and uh, has really had a very successful uh, impact on our state and has been a, um, a great leader. And so welcome,
0: Jason. Well, thank you for having me, Jay. It's a pleasure to be here. You know,
1: one of the things I love to just um, always ask a guest is, uh, particularly if they didn't grow up in New Hampshire, sort of how did you come to the state? And, um, and in, that, in that thought process, um, how did you find it comparing to other places that you had lived prior to coming to New Hampshire?
0: Oh, good question. Thank you for uh, putting me on the spot there. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so this was uh, back in uh, 2010, and uh, our, our oldest uh, daughter uh, was just getting ready to be five years old, and we had uh, kind of purposed uh in our family, that uh, but by the time our uh, we had any kids of school age, that we would be settled down where we had planned on uh, living out the, the the rest of our days, and uh, so we kind of considered, uh, you know, lot, lots of different places around this country, and uh, ended up uh, settling on uh, New Hampshire for a variety of reasons. Um, kind of uh, one being the the rural setting, but also near. Uh, more urban amenities yep yeah um, and also just just the the, the, the people uh, I know when I went to uh, where I went to college in Hillsdale Michigan they had the sign at the edge of town when you when you drove in and it said Hillsdale it's the people and that's kind of what I think of when well, I I, love when that I think thought. of New Hampshire it's it's the people
1: I love that thought Jason and, and so really uh, so how in the very very beginning? You know, you kind of size up a place, you meet a few people. Sometimes they're representative of a larger group of people. Sometimes they're maybe not so much. But you, it sounds like you just got a good feel for the chemistry of the various, the first people you met, and then that got reinforced uh, down the road probably with other people. And, and if you had to kind of put a maybe some words to that or maybe some adjectives, you um, just um it, what there because by the way i i totally subscribe to what you're saying there is a special nature about people from new hampshire uh there's a spirit there and what what did you sense what it, how did it come for well, you
0: in particular it was kind of the the freedom loving attitude of virtually everyone you run into And it kind of it it even crosses party lines, and even outside of political parties, people who don't even think about politics, they just have this uh, general idea of uh, of both community as well as wanting to be left alone uh, from people telling them what to do, and. before we moved here, we spent about two years visiting, you know, every couple months, just driving through the state and just, just, just meeting people on the street and, uh, you know, people I'd, uh, I'd meet online nice. or, uh, you know, through, through, uh, you know, various social clubs and uh, just kind of everywhere you go in the state, just probably at least every other person you run into is, is kind of like you,
1: <laughs> you know? That's so wonderful. Know. well that's so wonderful you know the um, as as uh, I've had this experience with a number of parents who will say um, they have kids who are thinking about going off to school to college and they look at various different schools and and at one point a uh, one of the you know the kid will say um, you know this place doesn't feel like me but then they'll for whatever reason they'll go to another school and they'll go this is exact i i know this is where i'm meant to be and it sort of sounds a little bit like as you were walking through or, or driving through and experiencing new hampshire in the early days there was a certain fit there and a certain chemistry if you will
0: uh, absolutely 100%
1: and then and then so you were you um decided to move to new hampshire and then um It wasn't long after that that you uh, began getting interested in our political system here in New Hampshire, which actually is something many people uh, can do or aspire to do here in our state is a great participation, of course. How did that evolve for you? Because, you know, that first run for office um, is it can be kind of a daunting thing. Um, what was the thought process and and actually what did it feel like to be a candidate that first? Oh time?
0: it's re- yeah, it's pretty funny. If if I were to go back in time 10 years, even just 10 years, let alone 20 years, and tell my past self that I would be a politician and not not only that but <laughs> that I would be a leader of politicians, uh, you know, past me would just laugh his tail off at okay, that, so, at that so, notion.
1: So we've got to we got to <laughs> share with share with our listeners here. Um, can you describe because you have a very uh, impressive academic background, and, and and maybe just kind of describe that academic background, what you were pursuing, what opportunities maybe had that had you not come in this more political direction, you know what might that have looked like?
0: What, what oh, sure, yeah. So I started out life as a, as an economist. I uh, did my undergrad at uh, Hillsdale College and uh, graduate school at. Uh, at first at New York University and then I had moved down to uh, George Mason University. uh, I know you love New York City, but uh, I, I made it about six months there, and I, I just couldn't handle it anymore. And, uh, I like to say I, r- I ran out of my entire year's uh, beer budget in the first two weeks. So, <laughs>
1: that,
0: that I wasn't, can understand that, wasn't, that. That wasn't going to be sustainable. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my, my intention was to uh, you know be, be an academic economist, and it was about the time uh, – you know, once I started having to teach classes and I kind of had this realization that, you know, I could spend the rest of my life standing in front of students who don't really want, kind of want to be there or writing books that no one reads. And, you know, the only people that buy them are libraries so that they can sit on the shelf and oh uh, never never be touched. And it just didn't seem like a very fulfilling <laughs> Uh, life.
1: <laughs> when you when you paint that picture, Jason, that does not sound like a uh, a path that would have been very fulfilling for you. And but it was great that you had the opportunity to check it out, and then um, you kind of made the, made a decision that wasn't the path for you. Um, and and well, coming back to that first run for office um how did how did that decision take place and and then cuz you know i i ran for state representative years ago and and i just remember thinking that it it really is it's a it's a challenge but when you get in it you you want to have a positive impact on what on the state and and on the government but it's also one where you want to make sure you win that first election so you can do that
0: yeah well it's Kind of a funny story. I don't know how much of the detail you want me to get into, but uh, well, you know, the, I, I the never, good stuff. I <laughs> never, never really had any interest in politics at all. It, it kind of seemed like, a, you know, an, an untouchable uh, realm. Uh, you know, not, not, not for people like me. And uh, New Hampshire is just such a different place, uh, especially with regard to the House of Representatives, as. Uh, your listeners might know that uh, we have 400 representatives for this tiny state. It's uh, one, one for every uh, 3,500 people, I believe. And so the, the, the barrier to entry is negligible. Yep. Um, and in a town like I live, um, you, you know, it's, uh, almost entirely Republican. So, um, uh, you know, someone, someone of my persuasion has no, no problem, uh, winning a, an election, um, and I had uh, um, again. again, maybe, maybe the part that you, you don't want me to talk about, but I will anyway.
1: So oh, I, this That's was always a, the best one. <laughs> so
0: this, this That's uh, why we do
1: these podcasts. <laughs>
0: back in 2014, and this was during the Mitt Romney time, yep. and there was this whole concept of the war, Republican war on women. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a, a, a pink hat that I wore in those days sometimes and I discovered when I was out in public in this pink hat that women and children would just walk up and talk to me out of nowhere. And I got this notion in my head that if I have just put up pink campaign signs that I would I would win an election. (laughs) (laughs) I have not
1: heard this strategy before. This is actually interesting.
0: And so just as a social experiment, I I bought 50 uh, signs with my name on them, the color pink. I put them up around town just to see what would happen. And sure enough, I came in second out of nine candidates. Oh, my, God. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: This, this, I did not know this, Jason.
0: This is how I became a state representative. And, and, I've, been, <laughs> and I've been stuck there ever since.
1: Well, I, I also, I believe I know one wonderful story about uh, your campaigning. As I did hear this anecdote, and you can tell me whether or not it's true or, or maybe close to true, but I do remember, um, I think maybe um, as voters were coming in, because one of the things we do in New Hampshire is we're always on election day, we're out there campaigning and we're trying to encourage voters who are coming in to vote for, for us. And um, I, I believe uh, a voter came up to you on election day and said that he had a particular point of view. I think in his case, he wanted to raise taxes and wanted to know how you felt about that. And, and you said something to the effect of, well, I don't think you, sir, want to be voting for me. Let me point to the fellow over there. That's the fellow you want to be voting for, <laughs> Which, if that's true. And I think you're probably- uh, it probably
0: it is. It is true. Other than I, I don't remember the exact words, but yeah. uh, yes, that was that was the sentiment.
1: And, and I just thought when I heard that, I thought there's a there's a certain honesty there that uh, not everybody would do to point out. Well, no, you you want to go over there, and I thought that's a. Um, it tells me that you're in the political realm, not 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 for politics necessarily, but it's it's because you believe in certain things, and you want to uh, and you want to see those things be enacted into policy and to and and, and essentially improve our lives here in, in New Hampshire and across the country.
0: Sure, yeah, and I've had to change my perspective quite a bit from from that you know first run, uh, whereas you know. Um, and um, see how to how to put this um,
1: Well were you more 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 strident in your first run on your issues or were you more yes
0: yeah, so, so going from the I guess the reluctant politician without any particular agenda to being one that you know is actually effective. Um, you know I, my first term, I spent a lot of time just pushing whatever button I felt like should be pushed at any given time without really thinking through, uh, the big picture strategy, mm-hmm. or thinking about what exactly the people of the state were interested in, and whereas now, you know, that's kind of all I'm concerned about is, you know, meshing what the people of the state are expecting me to do versus what I'm willing to do. So no, I'm not. I'm not going to do everything that that maybe popular opinion states needs to be done but the things that I am going to do are going to be geared toward that uh, end all right so like you know if, if I had my way I'd turn the lights up off and conquered and never turn them back on but I know that, that that's not going to go over really well so that, mm-hmm. that's, that that's not any kind of anything related to the agenda that I'm pushing and, uh,
1: well to some extent what I think you're describing is um, a, a blending of of maybe what a sometimes people would say is a personal view, a per- personal agenda or philosophy with an understanding of um, what people more generally uh, would find acceptable and want to have happen and in finding that that sweet spot, that middle ground that uh, might also be considered the art of the possible. Sure. Um,
0: well, and that's really the story of our success this past year because, um, you know, the, the voters are used to uh, electing Republicans and having Republicans not deliver. And so then they turn to the Democrats, and then they really don't like what the Democrats deliver. So then they vote us back in again to give us another chance, hoping we learned our lesson. And it's kind of this vicious uh, cycle that uh, c- continuously repeats. And I, I like to believe that uh, this, this time we've broken that cycle, that uh, we've we've actually uh, delivered what we said we were going to deliver, and we, we did that by establishing our priorities uh, in, entirely based on what you know people wanted. Uh, and ye- yes, uh, at the end of the day, it sure looks like we've passed, you know, the most conservative suite of legislation that's ever been passed, but it's also probably the most popular, uh, suite of legislation that's ever been passed.
1: You know, well, things, it, things
0: like school choice, and uh, you know, uh, you know. Uh, you know, vo- voter integrity and uh, uh, you know, cutting taxes and uh, c- cutting spending. You know, these these are all things that people are widely interested in. You know, e- e- even even people on the other side of the aisle, w- whether they like to admit it or not.
1: Well, it That's was it was a very 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 artfully and I think successfully done in a way where there was there has been broad support uh, and it is recognized by the way. As, as, as uh, from all I can see and, and uh, the way it's described is as the most successful um, uh, adoption of an agenda that anybody can remember here in the state of New Hampshire, particularly the most uh, along the conservative lines. And one of the things that I th- that I think was very important in your in your strategy, or certainly part of it, was it started even before the session. It um, uh, there was a major effort to elect uh, House Republicans. That you were very involved in, very involved with, and um, made 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 the pathway. I think at least you know possible for going forward.
0: Uh, yeah, well, that's uh, the necessary but not sufficient condition, right? You you got you got to get elected first, <laughs> and then and then go from there. But, so,
1: but, but, but you know, Jason, how did you you know you you actually did this with a very thin majority? Um. And, but you're able to get the agenda through. W- they, you must have had some aspects of your leadership style that allowed this to happen. And were there a couple of key, either moments or incidents or or or, or techniques or tactics, really, that um, ultimately proved success for, for the UN for the agenda?
0: Right. Well. Uh, yeah. My so my entire team, including the speaker's office, uh, you know, started last term really with this uh, style or, or strategy of, of, of bottom-up rather than a top-down uh, approach to our agenda. And so it was it was really driven entirely by the members uh, telling us where they wanted to end up. And we helped them get there. Uh, it, in the past terms that I've served, I did not see that kind of uh, Leadership at all. It was much more um, here. You you people do what we tell you, and of course, you know there was resistance to that. And even with much larger majorities, we were not able to accomplish much. Um, so I I, I hope um, that this uh, kind of precedent that we uh, set will uh, continue going forward after after we're gone and pass the torch on to others. Um, And that it will continue to be as uh, successful as we've seen.
1: But I'm going to guess that what you're going to say to me is that, yes, we had a very successful session, but we're really just still midstream. That if you take a broader, you know, take the camera back here a little bit and take a longer view that it's, uh, you know, we've got several more sessions ahead of us and there are other things we want to accomplish. and, And this is just a point in time.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a never-ending uh, stream. So, um I, I know um a few months ago I had a member uh, say to me, "Well, I guess I guess 80% of a loaf is better than 100% or better than 0% of a loaf for you know." Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like thinking of it in terms of percentages just is it just doesn't even make sense because what does what does 100% look like? Yeah. I don't even I don't even know, and I'm just one guy. Let alone you know trying to put together the ideas of 400 people or you know everybody in the state, you know what what their perfect world uh, looks like. So it's really just about getting as much progress as we can all agree on at any given uh, moment in time. And there's always going to be more to do uh, next year and the year after that. Well, you know, here, here's actually.
1: I, I, I imagine you've you've thought about this question a little bit, but it's it's an odd question. Um, you've got this juxtaposition of a very successful legislative session, and lots of accomplishments, at the same time that we were battling COVID and creating some really unique uh, situations and conditions for the even the meeting of the legislature and and the interaction and so forth. Did did that play? a role it was that. A, i'm sure it was a challenge on many dimensions did it do you think it either helped or hurt or was a neutral factor in what was ultimately accomplished how how did it play a role jason
0: i don't see any way that it helped uh it it certainly did make things uh harder um it, in especially in terms of um i guess e- escalating interpersonal um um, you know, not getting along. <laughs> right? yeah, you know. I mean, all you got to do is get on Twitter and uh, realize that, you know, getting on the other side of a computer screen just d- does, does not make you behave well,
1: with others, right? you don't get a warm feeling <laughs> of emotionally attached to other people. There's certain things you might, you might say on a Twitter or online that you certainly wouldn't say if you're sitting down to face to somebody.
0: I will say, probably, I guess the one benefit I could think of is particularly around the planning process and the, uh, you know, get, getting the members of my caucus all, you know, pointed in the same direction. It is much easier to call, um, you know, last minute meetings uh, of the entire membership uh, over Zoom yeah. than it is to say, okay, I need everyone to drive to Concord tomorrow. You know, uh, you're, just, you're just not going to get that many people showing up. Whereas, you know, on, on on Zoom, I can usually get, you know, more, at least more than half the people, if not close to uh, everybody.
1: We, well, You know, one of the things I hear um. So often, as I'm talking with people um, in the political realm, or just people on the street, actually, is I think a general distaste. Well, there's uh, there's a general distaste for politics and politicians, but I think it's gotten even more so now in that people see sort of divisiveness, bitterness. Um. And I, I'm curious, during your time in the legislature, have you seen that divide between uh, conservative and progressive between Republican and Democrat and, and just the, is it become more vitriolic and more bitter or is it moved in the other direction?
0: I, 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 I know, know that the people who have been around longer than I have uh, will definitely say that um, in my short time, I, I feel like I've seen that uh, I think starting, you know, the last term mm-hmm. and I don't know to what, to what degree you can blame, you know, the last presidential administration or what degree you can blame the media or, just the increasing uh, percentage of time people are spending, you know, on the internet instead of real life Mm -hmm. Um, or, or just, uh, you know, the the resistance to the, you know, direction, um, you know, national politics has has taken us. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, imagine, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the Trump administration was a reaction to what happened before, and the current administration was a reaction to that. Um, mm-hmm. And so, is that ping pong going to keep sending us, uh, you know, down a darker and darker path, or, or eventually uh, people going to get uh, tired of it? Uh, yeah, and I think on, on one hand, I, I see, you know, kind of two very distinct worldviews uh, in this country that I don't, I don't know if they are compatible.
1: Well, uh, you know. and, and 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 that I think you're putting your finger on a, a much of what is underlying the divisiveness, and and um, I think people would love, um, to the extent that it's possible, to be able to transcend that and find some positive ways to move forward, even yeah. even if there can't be agreement on certain issues, just there may be some things we can do to move forward in a positive way. Um, hey, Jason, as you look forward to the, what I'll say the – the, the remainder of this session and then going forward to the next session, w- w- you know, there's so many exciting things that I'm sure are on your agenda that just haven't been finished yet. Uh, what are, what are one or two or three things that you're just really excited about as, as we move forward?
0: Well, uh, so uh, we're about a month away from uh, bill filing uh, period. So we're working hot and heavy on, uh, on our you know, priority items uh, for this next year. And, um, Really going to be focused around uh, uh, three things: uh, one being uh, housing costs, uh, another being healthcare costs, yep. and uh, another being uh, educational um, transparency and, and choice. Yep. Yep.
1: Um, well, those are th- those are three issues that when I speak with people, uh, they're all three of those are of deep and important concern. Uh, certainly the the housing shortage uh, in the state is is really um, significant right now. and um, you know I've heard the number as many as twenty five thousand at least units uh, short right now capacity that's needed to come on in a in a relatively small state. that's a that's a really big number mm-hmm. um, the uh, the health care obviously and then, you're right about the education. Um, well, congratulations! Uh, you were able to achieve the education freedom accounts this year, and that's a, that's a that's a, just a big achievement uh, for for the for the uh, for school choice.
0: That that is that is a huge huge uh, issue. Yes, uh, I think that's going to uh, do great great things uh, for us uh, that will pay off uh, for you know, generations to come.
1: Well, Jason, thank you so much for being with us uh, today on American Sunshine, the podcast. It's been a stimulating, wonderful conversation. We thank you for all your dedicated efforts, and we wish you the very best. Thank you, Jason Osborne.
0: Oh, thank you very much, Jay. And I I always enjoy hearing about the Sunshine Initiative and uh, everything that you've got going on in this uh, state as well. Thank you very much for your service.
1: It's exciting. Thank you so much.